Well, it is uh, Pentecost Sunday, and I-, I want you to know what Pentecost means. Kind of a different word that we don't use. Uh, Pente- Pente- what? Pentecost. All right. It's not just a religion, but Pentecost is the birthday of the church. And it's not just something that we read about in the history books, but Pentecost on God's calendar means something for us this morning. And I'm excited to tell you what it means. So this morning, I want to tell you the window of opportunity that is open for you this morning because of the day that it is on God's calendar. And then we're going to switch over to Elijah, not Elisha, Elijah, J before S, if you get confused, all right? Elijah, J came before Elisha with the S. There you go. I just helped somebody all this time. I can't ever remember which one came first. Elijah with a J, all right? And we're going to look at his life and look at three stages that you could get stuck in that would block you from receiving what God has for you. So let's talk about Pentecost. So we see them gathering together, the birthday of the church, and Peter is getting ready to get up and address the church for the first time. And I just want to see this sermon today through the eyes, receiving it as, as Peter would. Peter is the one who denied Christ. Three, one is bad enough. Did it three times. Three times he denied Christ. And now Peter has gone back to uh, his place of familiarity, and he's walking out some shame, and he's walking out some disappointment, and he's walking out some regret until the Father comes, until Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, I want you to know, in spite of what you've done, I still love you. And I want us to look through those eyes today of grace, because no matter what you've done, I want you to know that the Father still loves you. And so I don't want you to sit up in here today and say, he's not talking to me because I've made too many mistakes to receive what he's talking about. No, I want you to do it like Peter. When Jesus came to Peter, Peter could have been stuck in his disappointment of himself. But the problem is, if you get stuck in disappointment, then you will miss your appointment. Because Peter had an appointment. He had a divine appointment that on the day of Pentecost... In the upper room, he was going to need to address the church and the city. What he was going to do was so important that in the garden, when they came to arrest Jesus, even with Peter and his good intentions, because sometimes your good intentions can still get you in trouble if you're out of the will of the Father. And so he cuts off the ear of the Roman soldier, Malchus. And Jesus says, no, 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 I have to go and undo that. See, Jesus is not stuck in time. Jesus, he's in your present, he's in your future, but he can also deal with your past. And so Jesus, he puts the ear of the Roman soldier Malchus back on because he said, if, if they look at this and see this ear that's been cut off, you're going to be in a prison cell instead of out on Pentecost Sunday, and I need you free. So I'm going to take care of what you just did so I can have you there for your divine appointment. And so no matter what you've done today, don't get hung up in your disappointment in your actions because you have a divine appointment that you cannot miss. And his grace is sufficient for you. I couldn't feed enough hungry people. You couldn't house enough orphans to buy your way into the good graces of God. It is only your belief in the blood of Jesus that is applied to your life that gives you access to the goodness, the blessings, and favor of God. So as you're listening today and every day, look at it through the eyes of grace. Listen through the eyes of grace. And so here we are, Acts 2 and 1. We're going to be in in New King James for this, and then we'll flip over to New Living later. When the day of Pentecost had fully 
come. Say fully. It's easy to get ahead of God. It's easy to rush a season. But you got to wait until God is saying yes and that thing has fully come. And then we're all together with one accord. That's not a Honda, y'all, okay? That's like unity. And they were in one place and suddenly... Now, that's a good Pentecostal Baptist word right there. Suddenly. Suddenly. Suddenly is a good word right there. And there's something amazing about Pentecost that ushers us into a season of suddenlies. On God's calendar, Pentecost Sunday steps us into a new season of suddenlies. You've been sick, but suddenly. You've been discouraged, but suddenly. You've been broken, but suddenly. You've been walking in shame, but suddenly. You've been walking in disappointment, but suddenly. You've been walking broke, but suddenly. And Pentecost opens up a season of suddenlies. I've already seen God doing some suddenlies this week. I've already seen him doing some suddenlies this week. I've already seen God suddenly close some doors this week. Because the same God that loves you enough to open a door will love you enough to close a door. So in this season, be thankful for the doors that he opens suddenly, but also be grateful for the doors that he closes suddenly. He's got you. Say, he's got me. Ah, yeah. And so the people of Israel were there together in the upper room, waiting on a sound. Now, they were not unaccustomed to gathering together and waiting on a sound. Because every year, once a year, the high priest would go in to make intercession for the sins of the children of Israel. And at the bottom of his garment, when he would go into the Holy of Holies, a linen garment, at the bottom, and I could preach about that lemon, uh, lemon, linen garment because there's so much cool stuff there, but I'll move on. But at the bottom of that garment, there were bells and there were pomegranates. The bells represent the gifts, the cool things, the flashy stuff that you can see, but the pomegranates represent the fruit, all right, like the fruit of the Spirit, meekness, kindness, long-suffering, because you can't have the gifts without the character, if you're going to work and move in the kingdom. You might be able to sing really good, but if you've got a stinking attitude, you might be able to lead really good, but if no one wants to follow you because of your character, it takes both. It takes giftings and character. And so these bells on the bottom of the priest's garment, the people would wait outside, and they would listen for a sound. And when they heard the sound of those bells jingling, They knew that their sins were pushed back another year and that they could move their life forward. And they were all together in the upper room in one place and one accord. And suddenly there came a sound. I want you to know this morning that we are stepping into a season of suddenlies. Did you know it's it's so cool how, how God did this thing. For years and years and years and years they had Passover And then they had the Feast of Trumpets. Did you know that our Savior was crucified on Passover? The same day they would always sacrifice the lamb, and he was our spotless lamb. He was crucified on that day. Then 50 days later, Penta, meaning 50, Pentecost, 50 days later, hallelujah, they were in an upper room, and there came a sound. And what that sound means for us is a season that we are being ushered into of suddenlies. 
Pentecost fell on the Feast of Trumpets. And so I want you to know that what God is doing, he is not doing it quietly, but God, the trumpets from heaven are sounding loudly, that this is a season of suddenlies, of breakthroughs, of new open doors, of closed doors that have God's loving hand on it. This is a season of suddenlies. Can you shout amen? And so they would have, they would have uh, three harvests and, and, and offerings. They would have the, the first harvest, uh, uh, offering, which was a barley offering. And then they would have a wheat offering on the day of Pentecost. Now, back at the barley offering, when the the wheat was growing, you couldn't tell the difference at that time between the wheat and the tear. The tares were weeds. And as they were growing up together, you couldn't tell the difference between the two. Can we get those pictures on the screen? This is a picture of wheat, and this is a picture of the tear. As they're growing up together, look how similar they look. And they tell them, because, you know, a good gardener will go and pull out the weeds, right? But they said, no, don't pull these weeds until they have come to maturity, until the good stuff bears fruit. Because if you go in plucking stuff, you'll pull out the fruit. You'll pull out the good thing. And so you can't make a decision in an immature state. And as believers, we have got to mature and grow in our faith. Because if we always stay immature and you make a season, a decision in a season of immaturity, you'll make a wrong decision. It's hard in an immature state and an immature frame of mind to make a God decision. You can make a decision because that sister looks fine. Ah, oh, but she'll give you all kind of baby mama drama if you're not careful. And so you've got to wait until you're in a season of maturity before you make a God decision. Fast forward time here. When the wheat has come to maturity, we see it like this. The difference between the wheat and the tare when they have come to maturity is this. It's because of the fruit, the seed that the wheat is carrying on the inside. It causes that wheat to have a weightiness. And because of the weightiness in that wheat, it will cause it to to bow. Because believers that follow Christ know not my will, but his will. And worshipers know how to. It hurts in this season right now, but I'm just going to. I don't understand everything that's going on right now, but I'm just going to. I don't understand why they walked away, but I'm just going to. I don't know why you closed that door in my life, Jesus, so I'm just going to bow because scripture says that he ha he gives grace to the humble he resists the proud but he will exalt those in due time that will humble themselves before him there's something about a believer who will Woo! Who will worship good times? I worship bad times. I worship mountain high. I worship valley low. I worship good economy. I worship bad economy. I worship a president I voted for. I worship a president I didn't vote for. I worship get the job. I worship didn't get the job. I worship got promoted. I worship they looked over me. I worship. And in every season, a key to moving forward in the kingdom 
You know what else happens when you bow down? It makes you less vulnerable to the enemy. It's harder for him to see you when you are crouched in this position. When you're standing up proud like the tear, it's real easy to say pluck, 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 pluck. You can identify real easy. But when you're in a position and a posture of worship and thanksgiving and trust, it makes it harder for the enemy to find you. The enemy has a hard time understanding why you're still praising after all you've been through, after all you've walked through, after the door closed, you're still in here giving God the praise. I wish somebody would lose that method of spirit and just get out of your seat for just a moment and give God a praise and a thanksgiving for who he is and all all he's done for you. I will bless the Lord at all. Woo! Hallelujah. You can be seated. Methodist folks, I love you. And so look what happens after harvest to get ready for Pentecost. Here's, here's what happens next. Everything, everything gets cut. If you're bearing fruit, you're going to get cut. If you're not bearing fruit, you're going to get cut. But if you're bearing fruit and growing to maturity in Christ-likeness by his grace, not by your works, he prunes you back so you can bear more fruit. But once you get cut, it's not over. The next thing they do is they put that wheat on a wagon to take it through the, th- through the threshing floor. Anybody ever feel like your transition is bumpy and just rocky? God, I feel like you, you cut me and, and now this road is not smooth like I thought it would be. Here were my plans and now you shifted the thing and I'm on this bumpy road on what I thought was supposed to be my promise. But now it's bumpy and I don't understand what's going on in my life and, and it's bumpy and this didn't turn out how I thought it was going to be. And, and it's bumpy, it's rocky, it's rough. And they put that wheat on the car and they take it to the threshing floor. And then in the threshing floor, they lay that wheat out on the threshing floor. And to extract the good things out of the wheat, uh, they will let their cows and their donkeys trample on the wheat. You ever feel like you're in a season where they're just heifers walking on top of you? You ever feel like you're in a season where just all kind of folk are taking their biblical word for a donkey and just walking all, all over you? You know what a biblical word for a donkey is, right? Camel. (laughs) And the wheat goes through that process because when you say yes to God, he has to take you through a process to get you ready to steward what you asked for. I wish I could tell you you asked for it and then he just throws it in your lap, but it's really not how it works because he has to get your character ready to match the blessings that he is bringing into your life. So for some of you that have been living life confused saying, God, I I prayed for promotion and I got cut. I prayed for promotion and I'm on a bumpy road. I prayed for promotion. Now you got all these heifers in my life stomping on my business. Because when you bow down and say yes to God, he will take you through a process. Say process. And the next thing they do, after it's been stomped on by the heifers and the donkeys, is they will throw that wheat up to the wind. And suddenly there came a sound, like a rushing mighty wind. And they throw that wheat up for one more time of separation to extract the good from what was carrying the good. Because they had to get out the fruit of that wheat from the stock that had been holding it. Everything 
that has been carrying you in this season can't necessarily come with you into the next season. It can be hard to get your mind around, but everybody can't go with you to the next place that God is taking you to. It's not necessarily that they're bad, but every time that God moves you and elevates you, the thing that was carrying you doesn't always get to come with you. And sometimes you need a wind to come in your life to shake things up a little bit, to wake you up a little bit, to move you forward. And so there's a cutting, there's an extraction, and then we see the wind. I'm going to switch now to, uh, to Elijah. So let me make sure before I do that. Y'all understand that Pentecost means a season of suddenlies, of new opportunities, of new doors. Because you know how when you get a new car and you never had a Honda Accord before, but now you have a red Honda Accord and you see all the red Honda Accords all around town now that you have one because you're aware of it. I want to make sure that you're aware of the season that God is opening for you. Because if you keep on living how you've been living in the doldrums of life, if you keep on living in disappointment because where you thought you'd be by now, you're not there, you can miss the open door that God has for you. And I don't want you to miss the new season that God is bringing you into. And just because it didn't work out the last season how you thought it should have worked out doesn't mean that God isn't taking you into something awesome and new in this season. Our little three-year-old son, Princeton, he doesn't understand why he can't play out in the middle of the road. But because I'm daddy, I see a bigger perspective. And I know that cars are coming and could hurt him. He doesn't understand why he can't have 17 popsicles a day. But I am living at a higher perspective as a father, and I know that could hurt him. And God will, I feel this in the room. Some of you are here this morning, and, and you're in disappointment. You're kind of in shell shock. You're, you're kind of stuck in the twilight zone because a door was closed. But I want you to know that he loves you enough to close the door. And that same God that loved you enough to close the door will be faithful enough to open the next door for you. And what I'm saying is, is on God's calendar Today, Pentecost Sunday ushers in a new season of opportunity. God's calendar matters. Did you know that on the day of Pentecost was when the Torah, the Bible, was released that same day? Did you know that Noah got off the ark the same day? I mean, obviously years before, but the same day on the calendar that Noah got off the ark. Did you know that the Ten Commandments were released on the day of Pentecost? On God's calendar, there is a release that happens on the day of Pentecost. And I don't want you to miss it. Say, I'm not going to miss it. All right, so I'm, I'm going to cover three things quickly that could cause you to miss the new season that God has for you. I want to take a look at Elijah. Elijah with a J, not Elisha. Let me set this up for you. Elijah is in a time where there has been wicked king over Israel after wicked king after wicked king after wicked king. And now... Ahab is on the throne, and Scripture says that he was even more evil than the kings before him. And Ahab is married to this crazy woman from Sidon called Jezebel. Anybody ever heard of Jezebel? And so 
The children of Israel had begun, because of poor leadership, they had begun looking to the God, false God called Baal, and they thought he was the one that was producing the rain. And so God speaks to the prophet Elijah and said, I want you to go and tell Ahab with his big, bad, and evil self and his crazy woman that it is not going to rain until I say so. And I'm going to shut up the heavens to show you who is really God. So Elijah says yes to this assignment and going to this crazy king with his crazy wife and saying, "Uh, you know what, bro? I got some bad news. It's not going to rain until I say so. Now, you know, without rain, they can't produce a crop. And without a crop, they can't eat. And so Elijah says yes to this crazy assignment to go to this crazy couple on the throne. And after that assignment, maybe you would think because of Elijah's yes that God would have immediately like elevated him. You get a raise. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. No, this is what he does. He takes him to a brook called Cherith. And he takes him into hiding. And when I looked at what Cherith means. Remember when I told you that the wheat is cut? Cherith means cutting. Separation, a winter stream. Sometimes God will take you into a season of cutting, of winter, where everything looks dead. It's not dead. It's only sleep. I said, it's not dead, it's only asleep. And all you need is to be walking in God's divine timing. And when Jesus walks in the room and speaks suddenly in your situation, every Lazarus in your life has got to respond to the voice of the Father. And so he goes to the brook called Cherith. They're in a a, a famine now because because of this drought. And he's there drinking from the brook, and he's fed by ravens. Ravens are a dirty bird. I mean, nobody even likes ravens but Baltimore. (laughs) Ravens are this nasty bird, and twice a day, they're bringing biscuits and fried chicken to, uh, to Elijah. It's my story, so it's fried chicken. Twice a day, this happens. From a dirty bird, from an unexpected source, quit putting God in a box of how he can bless you. Because in this season, I've got a feeling that God is going to be pouring into you and elevating you using some people and some sources that you would never have counted on. But I want you to remember this sermon so you don't miss your moment, so you don't miss your appointment. Don't put God in a box of how he has to bless you. And since my wife and I are the worship pastors, I'll just take a moment here to worship pastor in a worship set. Don't put God in a box of a certain style of song that he can bless you in. I'm going to wait till the gospel song. Well, what if God wants to bless you with his song today? I mean, gospel is kind of my favorite too. But, you know, if God wants to bless me with three chords instead of 17 chords, I'll take it. You're welcome, Stephen. What if God wants to bless you today in the gospel song? Somebody shout, yeah. Yeah. All right. Instead of the the Hillsong song. 
You know, don't put God in a box. Don't put God in a box. He just might want to bless you in a different way in this season. And so eventually the brook dries up because sometimes things have to dry up in your life for you to recognize, I got to move if I'm going to survive. And God loves you enough to let things dry up to get you to move. And so then God takes him to Zarephath, which means, of all things, extraction. Remember the wheat. There was a cutting, took it to the threshing floor, and then there was an extraction. Are you seeing a pattern in God's process here? You say yes, cutting, extraction. He takes him to a place of extraction. And wouldn't you know of all places that he takes him to, it is right in the hometown of where Jezebel came from. Now, at this particular time in history, old Jezebel is out killing the prophets of God. So God sends his man, the one that said yes, to a place, the hometown of the woman who is out to kill all the people just like him. But scripture says he will make a table for you even in the presence of your, of your enemies. Doesn't matter what season you're in. Some people are just going to have to like you because God is saying yes to you. Some people are just going to have to get on board with what God is doing in your life because God is saying so. And he will, show enough, prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. So don't think, well, I'm not in the place I thought I had to be in. The people I'm in, they don't even like me. You don't need them to like you. You need the favor of God on your life. Ah, yes and amen. You, yes and amen. I like it when, the, when nature responds. Nature's been responding this morning. Hello? So God sends him to be looked after. Y'all doing all right? God sends him to be looked after by a broke widow woman. Now, wait a minute, God. I don't have nothing. And you're sending me to somebody else. To, you told me to go to somebody else who had nothing. And you're going to provide for me with nothing. This has been in my spirit for, for a couple weeks. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. Because little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. And so he could have been thrown by what he saw with his natural eye. And it's interesting. He sees this woman with just a few sticks in her hand, gathering them for a fire to fix her and her son's last meal. They're out of everything, going to fix a meal, and then they're going to die. And she has just a little bit of wood in her hand. And he asks her for a little bit of water in a drought. And it's interesting to me that in this season, when nobody else is looking, God is giving him the opportunity to work with the same elements, wood and water and fire. The same elements that he's going to be using 
in the next chapter in front of a nation. Wood and water, and then we need fire. Because God will have you work with just a little bit to see what you're going to do with just a little bit before he advances you to something greater. What are you doing with what God has already given you? Single mamas, I know it's tough, but what are you doing with what God has already given you? Use the prayer you got. Use the love you got. Use the food you got. Use the anointing that you got. Use the voice that you got. Use the talent that you've got. Use the ability that you got. Use the skill that you got. Because if you're waiting for more and haven't done anything with what God has already given you, you're going to be waiting for a long time. Because God is a good steward, and he is not going to give you more until you produce with what he's already given you. So start producing with what he's already given you. I'm trying, Mama. Thank you. So now we see God speaking to Elijah, and he says, I I want you to go to Ahab and tell him that it's going to rain. Well, that's, that's a pretty good thing to, to get to tell the king, you know. There's a bounty on your head, but maybe if I slip in there and tell him it's going to rain, we can get this thing done. And he tells him that it's going to rain. And so Elijah tells Ahab, he says, I want you to gather all the false prophets and meet me at, at, at Mount Carmel because I'm tired of this. We're going to have a showdown to see whose God is really real. And I'm going to take a calf, I'm going to take a bull, and I'm going to cut it in half. And y'all are going to take a bull and cut it in half. And we're going to see whose God is really God by who lights this on fire. All right? It was the original cut the bull. We're going to see the truth in this matter. You're welcome. So they get together. And because there were 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of, of Asherah, Elijah says, you go ahead and you do your thing first. There's so many of y'all, y'all go ahead and do your thing and and get out the way, and and then I'll come in and be the closer. And so they put their cow on the wood, and they start dancing around, they start doing a jig, and they start crying out and hollering to their false gods, and and nothing's working. Then they start cutting themselves, because there always has to be a cutting. But you want to let God do the cutting, not the enemy. Because his yoke is easy and his burden light. Always going to be a cutting. So they start cutting themselves, doing their own thing. And about 12 o'clock, I love this, Elijah starts mocking them. He's like, "Uh, maybe your God's on vacation. Then he says, "Uh, maybe your God is hard of hearing. And then this is my personal favorite. He said, maybe your God is relieving himself, meaning maybe your God's up in the bathroom. (laughs) And finally, he says, all right, enough of this. Y'all ain't doing nothing. And I don't have all day to wait around y'all foolishness. So he puts his bull on the altar. They cut it. And of all things, he adds water. Now, you usually don't start a fire with, with water, right? He puts fire on it. First of all, let me back up. First of all, he had to build an altar because Jesse had torn all the altars of God down. That's good advice right there. You always need an altar. 
You always need an altar, a place of worship, a place of thanksgiving, a place of sacrifice, a place of consecration, a, pet of, a place of being set apart, saying, God, this is my place in you. I've got an altar in my life, and the world is doing this, but I'm not doing what the world is doing. I'm sold out to you. And so he builds an altar. He puts a sacrifice on it. Then he pulls a little Alicia Keys. God, light this on fire. God, light this on fire. Oh, y'all need, a, y'all need a, a Christian song for the religious folk in the room? <laughs> y'all save, right? Nobody knows Alicia Keys. Y'all, what's Alicia doing? No makeup right now. Alicia. <laughs> they used to say every old barn needs some painting. I'm a quit meddling. You go ahead, Alicia. You do you. Uh, look, and let me say this. I help the brothers in the room. All right? Y'all, just because Alicia's doing it, you know what? Alicia's not wearing makeup. I think I'm going to try to not wear some makeup. You're welcome, brothers. <laughs> and so, God. Now, look, if you're already one that doesn't wear makeup, Mama Deegan, you're all right. We love you. Some of y'all don't need makeup, and you're doing your thing. All right? You're doing your thing. Natural is you. You do you, boo. Yes and amen on the back row. And so God comes, and he ignites this fire. He lights it on fire and proves that he is the true and the living God. And then... While Ahab has some win, a success, momentum under his belt, he said, you know, while we end this thing, I'm going to kill every one of you false prophets. And so Elijah has every one of the 800 prophets killed, almost 1,000 prophets that he has taken out. Because sometimes there are things in your life that you can't play with, they just got to die. Sometimes, Elisha, you just got to kill the heifer and walk away. Now, don't go around killing folk, all right? Pastor Chris said, I've been wanting to kill him anyway, so that's, I'm talking about cutting it off. Cut it off. Cut that relationship off. All right? And this is what happens next. And this is the, the first stage that I'm going to move quickly so y'all can get to your chicken. This is stage one that you can get stuck in. Do we have that on the screen, Brother Ahmad, media team? Do, do we get that? I sense it, but I don't see it. This is a stage you can get stuck in. I sense it, but I don't see it. Elijah says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And he tells Ahab, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. So this is what Ahab does next, and this is key. Y'all doing all right? Online, y'all doing all right? They're shouting online, y'all, throwing stuff, bobby pins flying, carrying on. Yes. And so he goes after he hears this sound, after he hears the word from God. He climbs a mountain. He goes to the top of Mount Carmel. He goes to an elevated place, a place of an elevated perspective because God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So after you hear from God, you've got to get yourself to an elevated place of perspective. I'm not talking about a place where you think you're better than everybody else, but I'm talking about your perspective is raised because you don't see chickens down, uh, uh, eagles down pecking around with the chickens. Eagles are flying high. Eagles don't belong with the chickens. 
And you need to elevate your perspective to walk out what you heard the Father say. And then he does this. Scripture says that he gets down and he puts his head between his knees. Now, I work out about five or, or six days a week, and, and I do bleachers, and I, I, I run the stadium, and I do all this kind of stuff. But the other day in prayer, I had the Scripture in mind, and I thought, well, you know, I, I've, I've got down here a lot like this, and I've, I've bowed down before the Lord, you know. But then I thought, well, I'm going to do it like Elijah. I'm going to try to put my head between my knees. You ever try to put your head between your knees? Like, he must have been into that Yoda stuff, you know, all that, all that yoga mess, you know, them Pilates and all that stuff. He was, he was one limber brother because uh, I've been doing my exercises, and I can't get my head between my doggone knees. He was one flexible brother. Perhaps the seasons that he walked through taught him, uh, taught him flexibility. Amen. And he put his head down between his knees. He heard a word from God. He puts his head down between his knees. Now, the blessing from this perspective is when your head is down between your knees, your knees serve as blinders, and you can't see what else is going on around you. I'm from Kentucky, y'all. Lexington, the thoroughbred racing capital of the world, proud of it. And sometimes we'll put blinders on a horse to keep him focused. Sometimes we don't want that horse to see what's going on all around him. We want him to stay focused on what's going on in front of him. And Elijah was smart enough to know, I heard a word from God, hallelujah, but I got to get myself in a place where I'm not distracted by what I see, and so I'm not distracted by what I don't see. And he put his head down between his knees. And then I like this. Elijah sent his servant out. He said, I want you go see. You go down to the sea and tell me what you see. Because Elijah was smart enough to know, I don't need to leave this posture of being bowed down and worshiped and focused. I don't need to leave this place because in this season, I can't go by what I see. I stay in a posture of what I heard God say. I can't leave this position. I got to live right now by faith of what I heard God speak to me, and I can't live by what I see. Sometimes you can't afford to go by your natural eye. You got to listen with your spirit, man. What is the spirit saying to me in this season? And you got to go by what God has spoken to you and not by what you see. Who will believe the report of the Lord? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Culture says you got to be broke. Your family history says you can't go to college, but God has said, little is much when God is in it, and if you do it, I'll bless you. If you go to college, I'll bless you. If you take the job, I'll bless you. If you do a life team, I'll bless you. If you serve as an usher, I'll bless you. If you say yes, I'll put my super on your natural, and we'll get a super natural outcome. <laughs> Hallelujah! Somebody take a moment right now just to stretch your wings and exercise your faith. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah. And so, Gerald, you ready? And so, Elijah, he sends a servant. I'm not going to leave this posture of hearing from God. You go, servant, and tell me what you see. Come on, Gerald, come quick. Gerald is a, is a great young man. Gerald helps uh, lead our, our youth with Pastor Brandon. And uh, hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just stay right there, brother. 
And he also helps take care of our facilities. So if you reached out this morning by faith and toilet paper met you, thank Gerald. Right? All right. So, Gerald, I'm not going to leave this posture, but I want you to go back there. That camera's going to be the mountain, all right? And I want you to go, and I want you to tell me what you see. So come on. Come on. Come on. Hands together for Gerald. Come on. Hands together for Gerald. All right, come on back. Come on back, S. Curl. Come on back. <laughs> Working out. Y'all look at that volume in that hair while a brother running. Y'all don't hate on the brother. Let him work in his extra. What you see? Nothing. <laughs> but do you hear it? Come on, Whitney. Do you hear what I hear? I heard a sound, but I don't see nothing. Go again. All right, come on back. Bring it back, skinny jeans. Can you run in them mugs? Did I just say mug on the platform? What you see? Nothing. You mean I heard the sound of the abundance of rain, but I don't see it. Go again. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. What do you see? Nothing. Nothing. And I'm kind of doing this a couple times because I want to resonate with you what it feels like to be raising a child and believing for there to be a shift in their attitude, but, but nothing. I want you to know what it feels like when you're praying for a healing in your body and you heard that he was a healer, but yet nothing. You heard God say promotion, that this was a, a season of, of breakthrough, but, but with your natural eye, nothing. So... When you heard God say it, but you're getting a report of nothing, this is what you got to do. Go again. Go again. Go again. One dip in the river, Naaman, go again. One time around the Jericho wall, go again. Go again. And this is what you got to do in a season when you heard God speak, but you don't see what he spoke to you yet. Still nothing? Go again. Still nothing? Pray again. Still nothing? Believe again. Still nothing? Knock again. Still nothing? Ask again. Still nothing? Pray again. Still nothing? Sing again. Still nothing? Shout again. Still nothing? Praise again. Still nothing? Worship again. I will bless the Lord at all times. Because Scripture says nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. What I'm telling you, and I hope you're getting, is, is with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is not an option on the menu with God. 
nothing with God is impossible. Nothing is just not going to work. You stay in that thing and don't get stuck in the season of I sense it, but I don't see it. Because with God, nothing is impossible. It can't stay with nothing, baby. You might not see it, but nothing can't stay because with God, nothing is. With God, nothing is. Go again. All right, come on back. All right. Yes, Lord. Now this time, right, he said cardio. (laughs) You're welcome. Okay. This time, what do you see? Do you see something? I did see something. Okay. So you see something. But But? it was really small. Okay. So this time you see something, but it's small. You see something, but it's small. You see something, but it's insignificant. You see something, but it doesn't look like what God told you. You see something, but it doesn't look like the harvest he promised. I see something, but it's not the abundance of rain. It's like a, like a sprinkle. It's like a drop. God promised me an abundance, not a drop. I see something, but it's small. Y'all give Gerald a hand. And it's so easy to miss what God is doing in your life if you get stuck in the small beginning stage. Scripture says don't despise small beginnings. You know, when, uh, when my wife and I first came to, to Triumph, it'll be six years ago in uh, next month that we first came to visit Triumph Church. And because of the season that we had come out of, it played a part in our perspective. My wife and I had been serving at a church uh, up north, just above Chicago, across the line in Wisconsin. And a couple of weeks before we moved to that church, they tore down their sanctuary to build a new one on top of where the old one had been. And so for three plus years, we had church in a gym. Now, if you do worship and music like, like we do, and you're doing service in a gym with like concrete floors and concrete walls and no sound stuff up to help you, it can be a nightmare to do worship in, in that kind of uh, environment when the sound is not in your favor. And because of the season that we had came out of, and we were in the new sanctuary, maybe, oh, it was this beautiful sanctuary, and, and it had this um, two-story prayer tower, and I was the prayer pastor at the time, and it was this clear prayer tower. You could look out over the city, and while you were praying and pray for the city, beautiful facilities. We got there, and then God called us out. Hello. But I'm glad he did. So we come here, and through the lobby, up the hallway, right now, we have uh, an awesome youth sanctuary, all right? But at the time that we came, it was the adult sanctuary. And just to be transparent with you, when I walked in and saw the size of the sanctuary, I said, oh, heck to the no, this ain't it. I guess we just got a nice trip to Texas. This ain't it. 
I know, God, after what you spoke to me and been talking to my wife and I in this time of transition, I know this cannot be what you are doing in our, this? And if we had gone with our natural eye, instead of getting back to this position and hearing what God said and responding, we wouldn't be here today. And we would have missed all of the growth that my wife and I have done over these six years. We would have missed all the ministry opportunities that we've been able to have. We would have missed all the friendships with these great people in this room if we would have went by what, I, what we saw instead of what we heard. Because when I got here, what I saw didn't match up with what I heard. And in the season of small beginnings, I don't want you to miss it walking by your eyes. Because we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. 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 And small can seem insignificant. I'm allergic to small. I hate small. Hence my big hair. I hate small. I just, I just don't like it. It just grates my nerves. But Scripture says to not despise small beginnings. You know when three or so years ago when Pastor Brandon walked into my office, he just had something small. He had the chorus of reaching. I give you all of me, Lord. Take my heart completely surrounded by your presence. Lord, this feels like heaven. Every chain is broken. We hadn't added other parts to it yet. Wasn't a bridge, wasn't a verse. It was awesome, but it was small. Wasn't any strings on it yet. Wasn't drums, wasn't background vocals. The song, We Want You, that we sang this morning. We want to see you. We want to feel you. Encounter miracles. All right. That's on the album that I know you all have, Progression of Destiny, that came out in April. Hello. And if you don't, it's for sale of Connect Desk today. So get your copy. And one for the heifer. And then cut her off. But that song started small. You know that song started? On this very stage. You remember First Wednesdays that we used to have? We used to gather for First Wednesdays and we had First Wednesday worship. Y'all remember that? It was like three-fourths into that service in like the depth of a move of God. And I was, uh, I wasn't even playing that night, I don't think. And I went to the piano and I just had this, oh, 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 come in my spirit. Oh, 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 that's all I got. I went to work the next day, went to work for the church, got home from the church office, went to our living room, and just began to write. We want to see you. We want to feel you. Encounter miracles. And when I wrote it, I had Kiara Sheard in mind. Now, some of the light-skinned folk in the room don't know who Kiara Sheard is. But some of the other folk with a little more pigmentation know who Kiara Sheard is. Kiara Sheard comes from probably like the greatest singing family on the planet, the Clark sisters. And Kiara Sheard is the daughter of, to me, probably like the greatest vocalist, at least one of the greatest in our time, a living legend. And when I wrote this song in Beaumont, Texas, 
I heard Kiara Sheard singing this song. It started small. And how in the world, God, if I'm hearing you say Kiara Sheard is going to sing this song, how is Chris Deegan in Beaumont, Texas, going to get famous, internationally known Kiara Sheard to sing on this album? You know how? And I tell you what else is good to have around you too. While you're transitioning into a new season that God has for you, you need people around you encouraging you, encouraging you. Because Rakita said, well, you need to call her. If this is what God is saying, you better call. And God gave me an amazing connection. And did you know that Kiara Sheard, who sings all over the world, just sang for uh, President Obama and First Lady Michelle before they went out of office at a big thing they had in D.C., just, just sang for them, sings all over the place. Did you know that she is singing on the Deegan album? That's a God thing, y'all. That's a God thing. It just started with an oh, 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 oh. But now it's, it's on the record, and it sounds amazing. Thank you, Jesus. And Kiara Sheard is, is singing that. And we're in here crying out to God, saying, we want to see you. We want to feel you. Encounter miracles. But it started small. Don't miss it because it looks small. The last one, and we'll take it home to the chicken. If the enemy can't get you, if the enemy can't get you in the I, I, I sense it, but I don't see it stage, if he can't get you in the small beginning stage, then perhaps he can get you with fear, with intimidation. Because the enemy knows he can't stop the rain from coming, but maybe he can stop you from receiving. The enemy knows that he can't stop the rain from coming, but maybe he can contain you and keep you from receiving the rain. Because Jezebel sent her messengers with a word to Elijah. And the word said, you're going to die. I'm going to kill you. Now listen, I don't believe that Jezebel really thought she could kill him. Because if Jezebel could have killed him, she wouldn't have sent someone with a message. She would have sent her bailiffs to arrest him, bring him back, and kill him. The devil knows that he cannot curse what God has blessed. But maybe he can get you intimidated by fear. Maybe he can push just the right buttons in your life. Everybody in my family has always had trouble with diabetes. Nobody in my family ever went to college. Nobody in my family ever accomplished anything in their life. Maybe God's not going to do what he said he was going to do. So if the enemy can't stop the rain, maybe he can contain you from receiving it. And so now we see this amazing man. You know, you would have thought Elijah, after killing almost a thousand prophets, you would have thought he'd have had the attitude of, I wish Jezebel would come get in my face. I wish Jezebel, let Jezebel come see me. Wish Jezebel would. But he was intimidated. And the very rain that he prayed and spoke into existence, now he is running in the opposite direction from. Because whenever you run 
from the opposition, you are always running from the harvest. Whenever, whenever you are running from persecution, you're always running from the promise. Whenever you're running from the struggle, you're also running from the blessing. And here now is this amazing man going the opposite direction from where God wanted him to be. We're going to close it with this. If you have the record, Ben, you can come up and Steve, you can join. Stephen Gwaltney's in the house today, y'all. Hallelujah. If you were here the night that we recorded the live albums on the record, live songs on the album, uh, or, or have the album and, and, and listen to like track nine, you hear me talking about what I heard God spoke for 2017. And what God spoke about 2017 in the song that we sing, this is it, now is the time when what you said and we decreed is coming to reality every promise breaking forth dead things come to life dreams are realized old ceilings now on the floor this is it I don't know what your this is but I do know that God is able I don't know what your this is but I do know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think and as I begin to hear what other men and women were saying about 2017, 17 means breakthrough. It's a year of breakthrough, in particularly areas of long-awaited breakthrough. And 17 in Hebrew is a picture of a mouth, pay. Because what you speak always, and especially this year, is directly in alignment with the breakthrough that you're going to receive. Let's stand. Y'all, thanks for hanging. So here's what we're going to do. Going to worship for just a moment, then I'm going to dismiss you. We intentionally moved Triumph Church News and the hosting and the offering segment earlier in the service so we could have this altar moment. The best food is that that's been marinated for a little while. And so I want to encourage you just to marinate in the presence of the Lord for a moment. I know you have places to go, but if your kids have ball games, they're probably canceled with all this rain we got. So you can take that off your excuse list. And if you need to go in just a moment when we dismiss you, you can go. But I want to encourage you just to soak in the presence of the Lord for a little while. How long has it been since you dropped to your knees collectively and just worship God together? How long has it been since you've come to the altar and just said, God, not my will, but your will? I'm going back to what you spoke. I'm not giving up on what you said. I'm not giving up on my kids. I'm not giving up on the destiny. I'm not giving up on the promise. I'm not giving up on the harvest. And so I just want to give you some time. The presence of the Lord is so incredible, I can't even describe it. What happens in the presence of God is amazing. There is joy in the presence of the Lord. There's restoration in the presence of the Lord. There's healing in the presence of the Lord. There's direction in the presence of the Lord. If you're like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what the next step is. Get in the presence of the Lord. If you're like, God, I heard you speak what the next season is, but I don't have the grace. I don't have the strength. I don't have the wisdom. Then you need to get in the presence of the Lord and let him download to you the strength, the grace, the peace for the next journey that lies ahead.
Oh, 